Well, welcome everybody, and also everyone out in Radio Land. Where do I look for Radio Land? Up there. Hello, Radio Land. We'll talk to you later. <coughs> I like to begin um, my programs by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began all of his programs by saying in Hindi, Sabko Varisanmane Kesat Premse Swagat. I've seen your moment. Anyway, it means, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he always made that the cornerstone of his teaching, to welcome other people with love. He used to say that the deity that he worshipped was the human being, that there's nothing higher than a human being. And uh, that within... Every person dwells the divine spark, and that should be honored, and it should be also developed. And our job as human beings is to grow that and develop that and connect with that. And that's why we come together in satsang. In satsang, we celebrate that possibility. It's not celebrated anywhere else in life. Uh, all kinds of other possibilities, wealth, power, fame, all kinds of other things. Uh, are celebrated, but in satsang, uniquely, we celebrate the highest truth, the inner self, and that's why we come together. And uh, <clears throat> because of what he taught me, I, I tremendously value uh, this kind of coming together in honor of the truth that lies within us. And uh, tonight, and, and in these programs, I always celebrate that truth by celebrating the great beings who've attained that truth, the great realizers and realized beings, the siddhas, saints, sages, yogis, who've attained that truth, and the ones that, that I've connected to, and especially my guru. Uh, but tonight's a little bit different program. This is a program that I call Notes from the Tea Shop. Um, and so here we have the photo. <coughs> Now, this is an accurate, <laughs> this is the actual tea shop that was next door to the ashram in my day. And there I am, uh, show, photoshopped into this photo. <laughs> I'm not really in there. <clears throat> but um, every day uh, before the afternoon work session, after lunch, uh, we would go there and have a cup of chai and then go off to do ashram seva, and many philosophical discussions. And I used to go there and contemplate different things. <clears throat> and I call this program Notes from the Tea Shop because it's a bunch of things that I wrote down during the time of my sadhana and beyond. Um, and uh, I'll explain that in a bit. So there, uh, there are some of the characters that I did sadhana with in India. Looking straight at the camera is Sri Gili Gili, who's passed on. And the muscular guy in the center is Joe Don Looney, who is an American football star, noted mainly for beating up his coaches. <laughs> but he was also a great player. And uh, he was a great fellow. He's also passed on, uh, and so on. Anyway. <laughs> The guy in the back is uh, one of my uh, close friends at the time, Larry Alboa. So there you go. 
<clears throat> you could get a nice cup of chai there. So, <clears throat> notes in the tea shop. When I um, first came across Shaivism uh, through my, my guru's teachings, Kashmir Shaivism, the philosophy of consciousness, the philosophy of Kashmir Shaivism, one of the texts that I was really drawn to was a text called the Vijnana Bhairava, or as they say in India, Vigyan Bhairava. Uh, and Bhairava is a form of Shiva, a very wild form of Shiva, and Vigyan uh, is the wisdom. So it's a text called the Wisdom of Shiva, and it's a tantric text, an Agama, which is a sacred uh, text in, in the tantric tradition. Um, and what it really is, is a series of 112 different meditations, different paths to the divine, the different contemplations and meditations. And I was fascinated by it, and I studied a lot, but more than the individual meditations, it gave me a certain understanding, which became very core, a core understanding. And that was, there's a different way of looking at ideas. So I'd been in, in, the, in the academy, I was interested in what they called the history of ideas. <clears throat> in fact, I almost became a specialist in the history of ideas. There was, at Johns Hopkins University, there was a department in the history of ideas. You know, ideas are a funny thing. Did you ever consider this? That certain ideas can only be thought at certain stages of culture? That the ideas, for example, that these millennials have never were thought before and probably should never be thought again. <laughs> but, <no. clears throat> Ideas are, are relevant to a certain level of cultural evolution and so on. Uh, and then, but that's the intellectual history. What Vigyan Bhairava taught me was that spiritual ideas are not only uh, like this was thought by this one and he taught it to this one and it became mixed with that one and then, it, but they're actually vehicles to know the self. And that you take an idea like, I am Shiva, you could, a professor might say, well, that interesting conception was first heard in the seventh century and later developed there. But what's interesting is to practice that and take that inside into your inner world and ride that as a vehicle to the truth. And this is what Vigyan Bhairava taught me, that all these spiritual ideas, not, not interesting, as, so much as intellectual ideas, though they are, but that to be used spiritually and directly. And this brought about the distinction between what I call first education and second education. First education is our conventional education, uh, which is education of the outer world. But second education is our direct, practical, experiential education of the soul, where we use that kind of education to discover things inside of ourselves. So Vigyan Bhairava was a, definitely a text in second education. And as I made these notes in the tea shop, I discovered I was creating my own version of Vigyan Bhairava, Vigyan Shankara. <laughs>
<clears throat> Don't say, tell anyone I said that. Um, but these were, these were kind of an updated uh, series of, of meditations and contemplations that could be used to have a direct experience. So that's the program tonight. Uh, uh, a little while ago, I did a program on uh, notes from the tea shop up in um, Noosa. And uh, I was very happy with that program. And then uh, people down here felt deprived of it. So I said, well, I'll, I'll do the same ones. Vigyan Bhairava only has 112. I've got 500 <laughs> of these things. <clears throat> OK, ready? OK, the first one is called the meditation on the energy current. For these, you'll have to contemplate and explore the inner world. And we'll do a number of them. Also, <clears throat> so first, look inside. And look particularly in three centers, the navel center, the heart center, I don't mean the physical heart, but the emotional center in the center of the chest, and the third eye, the intellectual center. So look at each one of them and look for the current of energy, if any, in any of them. So first look at the navel. Is there a vibration or current of energy there? Now go up to the heart. Is there a vibration or current of energy there? And go to the third eye. Is there a current or vibration of energy there? Meditate on the current in each of these centers, even if the current is weak. Meditate on that. And now find the strongest of these three currents. If you have found a current. And meditate on the strongest one. And realize that as you meditate on this, you're seeking the energy of the self. And when you get in touch with this current of energy, you're directly experiencing the energy of the self. Okay, we'll go on. Next one. <clears throat> now, I have a particular way of talking about the self. My guru used to say, meditate on the self, honor the self, worship the self. God dwells within you as you. That was his phrase that he ended many public lectures with. Meditate on yourself, honor yourself, worship yourself. God dwells within you as you. In the form of you, he dwells there. God has taken your form and lives within you. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> I liked it. Um, but he would always say, meditate on the self. And I used to ponder that. What the heck is the self? What is the self? Well, the great meditation is, who am I? Who am I? <clears throat> so I've, I have another way of talking about the self. I talk about the self as the clear space of good feeling. The 
clear space of good feeling. See, the concept of the self is hard to grasp. Um, is the self an organ? Say a latent organ like your appendix? I mean, you're not really aware of your appendix until something goes wrong there. <clears throat> so if I said meditate on your appendix, you know, you'd say, where the hell is that? And then, you know, um, is it a place inside? Like a, a neighborhood? Like Turak? <clears throat> or, um, or is the self an attainment <clears throat> that only members of the club know about and that we plebeian yogis will only experience much later after we've done hundreds of hours of suffering and, and uh, burning in the yogic fires? Um, well, no, it's something familiar and close at hand. This is the self. Um, and it, it's in the inner world, clearly. And what kind of things are there in the inner world? Well, it comes down to two kinds of things, our thoughts and our feelings. Those are essential things. So it is the best area, neighborhood, best neighborhood in your inner world. You know, if you thought of your inner world as a, a Google Maps, you know, the best houses are in the clear space of good feeling. There's, there's the uh, anger slum and the uh, depression slum and the, uh, uh, what? Fear. The terror slum. And you, oh, those, you don't want to dwell in those. You want to live in the Turak of good feeling, <laughs> the clear space of good feeling. Um, <clears throat> good thoughts, clear thoughts, clarity of mind, peaceful thoughts, and good feeling. Um, and, <clears throat> and that's the best condition of the inner world. And you can say that when we touch that place, we're touching the self. So this is the, uh, the notes from the tea shop. We call it the CSGF. <laughs> the CSGF is the natural state. It is the Sahaja Vidya. It is the natural state before disturbance. This is what the yogis say. It's our natural state before it's disturbed. Well, what disturbs us? Well, the government disturbs us. Other people disturb us. Social injustice disturbs us. Blah, blah, blah. Fundamentally, we disturb it. Fundamentally, we disturb that inner space. Because it's our inner space. We let it get disturbed. The CSGF is peaceful, happy, open, loving, fun, positive, enthusiastic, full of wonder. In other words, when you go to a party and you're like that, everyone loves it. And you say, that was great. And they all say, oh, you were the life of the party. <clears throat> so it's the area inside you where there's happy, open, loving, fun, and positive. Negative emotions destroy the CSGF. <clears throat> and they manifest the ego, too. Negative emotions like fear, worrying about the future. What will become of me? Will I have enough money? Will I have enough love? Will I be healthy? Will people adore me? Worry about the future. 
Will I be beautiful enough? I see some lines on my face. <coughs> Anger. We're, why are we angry? We're angry because we don't like the way things are going. Right? So for, we want to force an, an outcome. We want to make people behave. They're never going to behave. People will never behave. They're never going to be rational. This is me speaking now. They're never going to be rational or normal or uh, fair. I've come to this conclusion, and I'm old. They're never going to be it, so you may as well get off it and forget it. Sadness. Sadness and depression, regretting the past, uh, and you know, so on. <clears throat> but isn't it wonderful that the, that the clear space of good feeling is our basic nature? Please remember that. Your basic nature is this clear space of good feeling, which is the self. And so that whenever you <laughs> lose that, it's because you've allowed that to happen. And so if you find you've lost it, and to, it's already, if you see that I've lost the clear space of good feeling, that's already a, a, a spiritual triumph because you're not caught up in the drama. She said that about me. And instead you're saying, oh wait, I've lost my space. <clears throat> and that's a very good thing. So when you've lost it, what's the solution? Go back to it. <laughs> what was it? Huh? Get back to get, ba get back, Jojo. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> okay, next one. How are we going? All right. This one's called consciousness. Here's an outlander statement there is no God but consciousness. God is simply higher consciousness, more expanded than you are more realized than you are, less contracted than you are. <clears throat> to an ant, we are God. Higher levels of consciousness are God to lower levels. <clears throat> that is, they're unknowable and mysterious. No? <clears throat> and deities, that, you know, deities that we worship, uh, are tatwas of higher consciousness. They're how do you levels. levels of higher consciousness. <clears throat> They're embodiments of higher consciousness. The true deity of every one of us is you as Shiva. That is, not taking away that kind of language, you at your best. The deity we all worship is the form of God that dwells within us as us, is us in the clear space of good feeling. Me loving, me joyous, me with luminous understanding, me generous, me patient, me contented, like that. That's the real deity that we have to worship. <clears throat> so the comment reads, some people are allergic to the word God. Other people have strange ideas about God. Believe me, nothing has stranger ideas than people have about God. <clears throat> I recently heard a case of somebody who had been in a fundamentalist 
group for 50 years and full of uh, uh, fire and brimstone and sin and so on. And finally this person decided to contemplate the nature of God and she felt that uh, God wouldn't be like that, that, not like that. And what I always say is that um, I wouldn't take somebody who'd never read the scripture and condemn him to eternal hell, um, you know, if they didn't even have a chance to learn anything. I wouldn't do that. And God's a lot nicer and better than I am. So it's unimaginable that he'd be so vicious and, and, and mean, mean, creepy mean to do that. And in fact, God will be more loving and more generous and more charitable than any of us. And he would give a million chances and, and want and urge people to come closer to the truth. And that would be his real nature. I'm convinced of it. And if I'm wrong, I'll burn in hell with the rest of you. <laughs> Bobby used to say that hell's all right. That's where all the interesting people are. <laughs> so it might help to think of God as pure consciousness, no beard, no face, neither male nor female, yet containing all, causing all, generating all. This God is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, and fills every corner of the universe. If you were to begin with you as you are and move always towards the center of your own being, you would come to him closer and closer to who you really are, then you're coming closer to God. <clears throat> I'm not going to get through all these. Take your time. Should I take my time? Do you want to hear one called compacted consciousness? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't want to hear that one. <clears throat> this is a good one. This is a good one. This is called the digestion of matter by consciousness. I love this. <clears throat> the writer says, when we are anxious or frustrated, depressed or frightened or inert, it's, it's that we have not digested our experience properly. So stuff comes at us all the time, doesn't it? All day long, every day, and uh, it affects us and makes us depressed or angry or fearful or whatever it makes us, that shows indigestion. Indigestion of, of experience. <clears throat> um, negative emotions, listen to this, always show indigestion of experience. Always. Bad digestion. I'm depressed, bad digestion. I'm angry, bad digestion. I'm frightened, bad digestion. It's a digestion problem. <clears throat> Comment. <laughs> You're taking this, your story, your narrative, too seriously, your own internal narrative. When you do that, matter conquers consciousness. See, consciousness wants to be in the clear space of good feeling. So the external world of matter starts to affect it. And you get pulled down. 
Let consciousness eat up matter. In Shaivism, they call this alam grasa, gradual swallowing. We have to swallow our experience, whatever it is. And listen, life is difficult. Crap comes at you. What did the Buddha say? The Buddha told it like it is, old age, disease, and death. Can't get worse than that, can you? Can you think of anything worse? <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> old age, disease, and death. Um, and th we have to swallow that, because that's the human condition. <clears throat> but everything, the insight is that everything can get resolved into consciousness. So this is the practice. Your awareness is your psychic digestive fire, the blazing fire of your awareness. And you might not be able, you might be so freaked out by something that you have indigestion, but hold it in your present awareness. Just sit with it. Your awareness will dissolve it eventually. It will dissolve it. Say the mantra and hold in an awareness and it will be gradually digested and dissolved into consciousness. Try it now. You got an issue? Everybody has an issue. Just hold in an awareness and say my consciousness, my awareness is gradually digesting it, coming to peace. You know you've fully digested it when you have peace with it. Just sit with it for a second. Don't undersell the power of your awareness. Okay. This is one I will draw, I like. I've done this one before, but I always like it. It's called the TP meditation. <laughs> Forget everything I said so far. <clears throat> you are a TP. <laughs> You're a TP. <clears throat> All around you. So you sit. You're sitting. You're in the form of a TP, right? If you sit like that. Yeah. And all around you swirl all the thoughts in the universe. They're all swirling around. Every thought. Everyone ever thought, right? They're all out there. Consider this. The thoughts that you pull into the TP, the only thoughts you pull into are the ones you attract or allow. The thoughts that come into my TP are the ones that I attract or I allow. Is that true of you too? You got it. They either you allow them in or you attract them in. <clears throat> so if you understand that, you create your own life by the thoughts that you allow and attract into your TP. <clears throat> Consider this also. If you don't like your creation, nobody's got a gun to your head that you have to let those thoughts into your TP. Kick them out. Also up there above your above the TP, 
is all the G statements in the world. These are the great statements. I am the self. I am Shiva. I am consciousness. Lovely ones. Om Namah Shivaya. Great statements. And you can pull them down. Why don't you pull them down? They're above. See them up there. Just see them up there. They're in bright light above your head. There they are. All the scriptural statements of the great sages. Jesus loves you. God loves you. You are the self. I am Shiva. What else? Give me some more. What? Everything is consciousness. What? All is dust. All is dust. Yeah. That's it. The rest of it's dust. Yeah. Okay. Good. Give me another one. Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. You know the one, should I tell you the one about I am Brahman again? I've told you that before. Is that uh, we had an intensive here in, uh, years ago in, in, uh, in uh, Gore Street, Ashram, and somebody got uh, a tre- tremendous Shakti pot. And uh, he was screaming out, I am Brahman! I am Brahman! Brahman is the absolute. I am Brahman! I am Brahman! <laughs> So the whole monitors couldn't allow that in the program. There was no program possible. And they, and they took him out. Now, uh, the, the thing to do if somebody had too much Shakti pot, there are a couple of things you could do. One is you might give them a little ice cream or chocolate or banana or something like that and to calm them down a bit. So he goes, I am Brahman, I am Brahman. And then you heard from the, off in the distance, I am Brahman. I don't want a banana. I am Brahman. I don't want a banana. (laughs) But Brahman can digest even a banana. Full swallowing, full digestion. Uh, so, So the comment here is, we don't know it or we don't realize it, but we're always choosing and creating our lives. Take responsibility and choose well. And you, cannot, you actually can change your thoughts that are make it, bringing you down. When you have a train of thought that brings you down, you can literally change it. <clears throat> what thought and patterns and thought streams are you inviting and following and which ones are bringing you down and making you miserable. Very good to see it, and then you can learn to change those thoughts. Okay, what do I want to do now? Um, one more, I'll leave you with this one, okay? <clears throat> this is what I like. Focus on your highest principle. Focus on your highest principle. So focus on your highest principle. Every one of you has something they value that the, as your highest principle. <clears throat> now, you may not know what it is. It's not something that... Um, it's something that sometimes you have to discover, and sometimes you realize it in action, the way you react to certain things, and that really shows what you really value. But most of the time, we don't pay attention to that. We just kind of go along, 
and uh, we're not aware of it. <clears throat> but we should focus, find out what your highest principle is, what you really stand for, and resolve you to live your life so that it, it conforms to that principle. It's consonant with it. Whatever that principle is, go with it. And live each moment as a sacrifice to that principle. Always bring that principle in. And this is not something that's mind-born. A lot of your highest principles will be what your mind thinks it is, or maybe what your culture thinks is politically correct or something like that. But it's much deeper than that. It's what your soul is stirred by. <clears throat> and always live with that principle and choose towards that principle, and every choice that you make towards that principle gives meaning to the way your life and affirms its highest purpose. And so what I learned from my years with Baba and beyond is that my highest principle is to know the self and to live in the self and to help others know the self. And so every time I can do that and help that, I feel that I'm living the perfect life, my perfect life, and that I'm contributing in some way. Comment. Your highest value lives within you. It's not something you create or something that's mind-born. It's something you discover. Reflect deeply. Reflect deeply. See, there's the world out there buzzing and buzzing and telling you what to think and who you are. But in here, there's the real knower. You have to look inside and reflect and contemplate deeply. <clears throat> reflect deeply and find that which you hold most sacred and then live that truth. It could be peace. It could be love. It could be joy. It could be the divine consciousness. Find that highest truth. A truly human life is lived in harmony with one's highest value. Not compromise, but living in it. You can compromise externally, but internally should never compromise that. Should always be moving towards that highest truth. So I'll stop there. I've got 490 more. <laughs> Those are the best, though. <laughs> oh, I'll do the last, last one. Because this is a good way to end. This is called the big, big, big picture. The big, big picture, the big, big, big picture is that everything is okay. Which means you are safe, you are loved, you are included. A lot of people have exclusion anxieties. <laughs> you are valued. A lot of people have non-being valued anxieties. You are immortal. I can profoundly believe that. That uh, this is not the last uh, of it. I have a new body, get a new body, and I wipe it all out. Wipe it all. I got a whiteboard. I, I write what I have to do that day, and then at the end of the day, I wipe it all out. Feel refreshed. The only problem is I remember the day before, but once you get 
wiped out in your new body, you don't remember it. You start again. <clears throat> but the big, big picture, big, big, big picture, is that everything's okay. In all the smaller pictures, it sucks. <laughs> it's not okay in all the smaller pictures. It's definitely not okay. There's old age, disease, and death, and lack of appreciation, and miscommunication, and uh, just everything. All the small pictures suck. So be in touch with the big picture. And let the big picture filter down into the smaller pictures. And they will transform that. <clears throat> so that's it. That's all I want to do tonight. The other five, 490. <laughs> I'll do the other 490 next time. <clears throat> so what should we meditate on, Davey Ma? The clear space of good feeling. All right, let's do that. I'll lead a little meditation. Um, we'll meditate for 10 minutes. <clears throat> and inside everyone, everyone has experienced the clear space of good feeling. And you know what? When you're in the clear space of good feeling, you can think better. You make better choices. When you're in the clear space of good feeling, you realize that that dickhead is not right for you. And you make good choices about lots of things. But when you're in the unclear space of bad feeling, you make really dumb choices, like you punch the other guy, or something like that. So the clear space of good feeling works externally as well as internally. And you could summarize all of yoga as simply staying in that space. Because it's you at your best. When you lose that space, you go back to that space. When you're in that space, hold it. Bhagwan Nityananda said it this way, Bhavana Rako, keep the feeling. Hold the feeling, be in that space. Don't let external conditions knock you off your perch, knock you off balance. Now they will, but as soon as you discover it, go back, go back. Don't expect yourself to be impervious to externals, because nobody is. It's just that you'll be able to, when you keep yourself awake, you'll be able to move back to your true space and work at that. So go inside and find the clear space of good feeling, space of contentment. For me, Baba gave me the word contentment. He told me, be content. Be content with what you have. For you, there may be another word, love, joy, peace. These, these words lead to the clear space of good feeling. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Don't argue against the clear space of good feeling. But, but, this is happening. Don't do that. Just find it now. In between, there's a Buddhist story. A Buddhist story about how this, this guy is being chased by a tiger and he's running and running. It's a slow tiger. <laughs> and he, he comes to a cliff 
And right down in front of him, it's a very familiar story, and there's a sheer drop. So he's, he's caught between two horrible alternatives. So he, the tiger's gaining, and so he leaps out, and he catches hold of a branch. <clears throat> and he holds on to the branch, and there's a sheer drop below. The tiger is licking his chops and growling above, and he notices there's a, a strawberry on the bush. And he plucks the strawberry, and he tastes it, and it's a Zen story. And he says, ah, that berry was delicious. <laughs> and that's what our life is like. <laughs> there's a tiger over there. There's a sheer drop below. Be present and eat that strawberry. <laughs> that's the quiz face of good feeling. <laughs> it's a good story, isn't it? It's a Zen analogy. So find that clear space of good feeling in meditation. And remember that that's who you really are and stay in that space and cherish that space and honor that space. And we'll meditate on that space for 10 minutes. Once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sakunat Maharaj Kijay. Mm -hmm.